0: don't learn history. Nothing to
1: say. Oh, that a I got something for you. Was that a freaking back to the future reference? Mr. Leverage. <laughs> <You're doing laughs> it. I love this. Being a dad is probably one of the best things I've ever have in my life. Most rewarding things in the entire world. The right tool for the right job, man. That's all you need. The best meeting never. You need to put it in your mouth.
0: And now, uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from John Wooden. He says uh do not let making a living prevent you from making a life. Hey guys, welcome in to episode 11 of the Blue Collar Dadcast. I first of all want to apologize that episode 10 has not released yet. I uh, I messed up again. So what'd you do? (laughs) I got overconfident. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was thinking that uh, I was able to talk without headphones and yeah, your microphones are great at your house. It was just me sitting too far away. So I I apologize, everybody. I'll I'll work on that. It's going to take a full day. Ten will be out some point in the future. um,
1: It was just a bunch of babbling, though. It was. Checking the system.
0: Yeah, I was testing it out. It was not a bad episode, though. No, it
1: wasn't bad. I mean, it was a lot of good conversations. It was uh, a lot of fun. I I had a lot of fun. It was good drinks.
0: Oh, really good drinks. That beer was insane.
1: It was. It was like super carbonated wine. It was really good was interesting, I'll give you that. The captain, the captain. Good.
0: Well, when it when it airs, if you want to go back and check it out, it really is just us kind of shooting the shit and uh yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was a good episode. I enjoyed I,
1: it. I, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Today we're kind of going to skip all the the beginning intro stuff that we typically do. No no offense to the fam or you know, the, the listeners that love the jokes or uh <laughs> Or hate stupid them, people or hate them but still want to listen to them? I mean, I don't know.
1: Yeah, listen to
0: these guys. Right? Talking about stupid people. Yeah, these guys are stupid people. <laughs> they should put themselves in the stupid people section. <laughs> right. And we actually did in
1: yeah. episode
0: nine, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, one hits, where the we history went out of us.
1: The history of us.
0: Yeah, episode nine. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's literally just us in our early 20s
1: being dumb. I've got some good reviews on that. Two people... So that I was surprised that they actually caught wind of and listened to it. They're like, hey, a, that was a good podcast. I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, shout out Ashley. She she listened to it. Yep. And yep. wrote us on our uh, our uh, Instagram. And if you want to find us on socials, we're actually pretty active now. Um, you can find us. I believe the Instagram is bcdcast, and that's all it is. Not the B C D cast, just B C D cast and we have Facebook as well. I think we're still working on Twitter, Chad. Still working on Twitter. That's me. That's on you. And then you can obviously always email us at uh BCDcast at Yahoo.com. So we're we're out there a little bit here. We're we're putting our feelers out there. I mean yeah. eleven episodes in. If you got suggestions, you know like- any any type. If you got topics you want us to talk about,
1: yep. yeah. Yeah, or just tidbits of something that we missed. there you go, say yeah. you're a a history buff, and we totally glossed over something. yep, call us out,
0: yep, agreed, and we will do better next time that's that's kind of the whole point of this um to the topic at hand for the day uh we are finally doing the sand Creek massacre, and this is most certainly gonna be a two parter so
1: yeah, I think we. Flipped over that uh, metaphorical rock and found yeah. that this was going to take some time and some, well, finesse and to deliver.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's still living members of that tribe. Yep. So, you know, we want to make sure that what we say is factual, correct. I've I've done my history.
1: I've started reading a book. Oh, no, that's cool. And we're actually going to go visit the exhibit. Yes. Tomorrow morning we at are. the natural. Uh, is it natural history.
0: history or is it just, because Randy said the Colorado History Museum. Oh,
1: that's right. I've, it is the Colorado I, History Museum. I don't it think is. I've ever been there. Dude, it's cool. They have like dioramas and stuff for, like what the Colorado Territory looked like in certain time, huh. time frames and stuff. So like nowadays Spear, you know, yeah. it, it just shows you what it looked like with horse and buggy, like, horse and buggy,
0: dirt roads. I love yep. those pictures, man. I really do. Well, and then Autumn's all like, "No, I don't want to go. It Sounds boring." And I'm like, "It's gonna be fun." I said Jordan really liked it, and she's like, "Oh,
1: did she? Oh, okay, oh, it's gonna be great." So.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so we're gonna go see the exhibit tomorrow, and then, I mean, it's gonna help part two, part one. We're we're pretty, I mean, we're pretty well into with our research. Part one, I don't think there's gonna be any uh, lapses in in the stories there. Um, but the surprising part to me is this thing is overlooked, man. It, it sure is. It doesn't get the publicity that it should. It, it it The YouTube video that I found, like one of the longest ones, <clears throat> when I when I first started looking into this, obviously it's how I start looking into stuff is I'm driving down the road, put on a YouTube video and listen to it, right? Same, same. So, you know, I'm driving and, and uh, I was like, wow, this is really comprehensive. You know, there's a lot of information in this video. It was, it was an hour long video. Are you serious? Yeah. And it was put out... I want to say seven years, six or seven years ago, and there's 7,000 views on it. And
1: that's it. That's it. A 1,000
0: views a year. Like, how? I don't know how this isn't more publicized, and maybe that's kind of, the more I dove into it, maybe that's what they wanted.
1: I mean, Shivington did pretty much walk away. Yeah, he did. And that's the unfortunate part. And there's Easter eggs around. I mean, call it what you will. Yeah. There, there's... Things that, if you've been downtown, that you've walked by, you'd never know. And One of the characters that we'll bring up today, they're not a character. They're (laughs) a real historical figure. Uh, They have a memorial plaque Mm -hmm. up on one of the buildings, uh, 15th in Arapahoe. And I actually went, saw it, touched it. Yeah, you sent me a picture of it, yeah. And people do remember. uh, I was literally days after uh, his um, the day he died, and... uh, flowers were taped to the wall that the black like so people do still remember so people do remember can't wait to get uh can't wait to cover his stuff Yeah,
0: it's, they're all very interesting to me yep every every player in this game yes sir no matter no matter the skin color let's let's just put that out there right now no matter the skin color i mean they're just this whole story's just, it's gripping man it's very
1: gripping it's gripping
0: indeed. um so we are gonna do the drink review though because i did go out of my way again in lieu of what we're doing the the subject this um small batch bourbon whiskey forged in fire is called horse soldier and if you read the back they give you a little bit about um it was formed by some nine eleven veterans okay um or after nine eleven veterans um but the synopsis of it is, The United States of America was forged by pioneers, bold trailblazers, explorers, and warriors. In the American spirit of adventure, we proudly present Horse Soldier Bourbon Whiskey.
1: Well, how about that? So, huh? yeah. It
0: sounded good, looked good, and it was not freaking cheap. So,
1: Yeah, we'll be sure to give a, uh, a good review on that. I'm sure it's amazing.
0: Well, well we will give a proper review at proper. some point. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to pour it up. Let's do it. All right. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everybody else. Here here we go. Oh my god, dude. Wow. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> How you doing?
1: You wanna talk about dangerous? Yeah, buddy. I think this is this is probably one I I'll bend the knee this time. Wow. I'm gonna put a cube in there. Hey, my man! Ah. <laughs> boy, that it is so good. But boy, that is uh, that packs a punch. Yeah, I didn't pour enough. It's not even a hundred proof. I think it's eighty-eight. Wow! <laughs> Struggling with my cubes. <laughs> Pinch me in the cubes. <laughs> that shit. Come on, Stewie.
0: <laughs> so some of the things that I'm gonna. Sight or recite are from a book that I've been reading called A Misplaced Massacre Struggling Over the Memory of Sand Creek by Ari Kelman. So, I'm I'm going to mention a couple things as we go through. I just want to give that shout out to the book and the artist, the book and the author. <clears throat> so,
1: yeah, that looks like a
0: a good read. It it's riveting, man gives the account of a man named William Bent, and I mean, a lot of people have heard of or seen signs for Bent's Fort when you're traveling down south. I,
1: I looked it up. Yeah. I, I haven't <coughs> seen it, but I have looked it up.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of one of those things that I've heard in Colorado just from living here, like, oh, you have to go to Bent's Fort, you have to go to Bent's Fort. I didn't realize its significance in the Colorado Territory when the Louisiana, Louisiana Purchase went through. Bent's Fort. There was French Canadians, Native Americans, Mexicans, and and white settlers that were all trading inside Bent's Fort, and it was peaceful. It was like one of the peaceful places to go. Uh,
1: The YouTube video that I watched, the guy gave a tour of it. Really? Yeah, and he just went to the various rooms, like this is this. Yep, and the just the the style of it. It's that Adobe. Mm-hmm. Uh looking um exterior and and you see it now
0: and it's got the uh the holes in it for
1: military operations and that's something that happened later. Oh okay. From that video though watching it, yeah. He was going through the various rooms and he pointed out this window. You mentioned a window, but I mm-hmm. think this window was used. And I'll just go off of what the gentleman said, maybe you can tell me I'm if I'm wrong. I, I didn't get too much into the original old old fort so got it.
0: I know, like the brief overview, but go ahead.
1: Well, there was still the these stigmas with the natives, mm-hmm. and this window is where they would trade with the Native Americans. They weren't allowed necessarily in this particular. Not uh, not true. It's not true. Not true. Oh, good. I'm well, sure at, can... at a
0: certain point, um, that did happen, just okay. based on what happened because the eventual situation of william bent was he married an native american woman okay and her name was owl woman and she was the tribes if i'm not mistaken their um like spiritual guide basically and she married a white man and they had four kids together she actually died in in childbirth with the fourth oh um and you know william being you know a white man who went to college and all that stuff wanted his children to learn both cultures he he wasn't just one sided he wanted his chil- his children to learn both cultures so um the most notable of all four children is george bent and george actually went to i don't know if it was called the university of missouri at that time but went to, to college in missouri which was william bents hometown this was 1835 when all this trading was going on when William Bent's fort was like the trading post so between 1835 and 1843 when George Bent was born he met Owl Woman and I actually I'm gonna go back on my my previous statement because I do remember she was actually the daughter of a Cheyenne chief not their spiritual guide her mother was the spiritual guide for the for the Cheyenne Um but in 1843, George was born, you know, this is before the Civil War, all that stuff. So he goes to college in Missouri and learns the ways of the whites, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, truly, that's what it was. You know, he, he wanted him to learn both cultures so he could be a cultured Native American, Native American white man, whatever, however you want to call it. Mi- yeah. Mixed, whatever. Biracial. Yeah. However you want to, however, however you want to label it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So he graduates from college, and actually joins when when this is really interesting. When uh, the Civil War started, he was recruited by the Confederacy to fight against the Union. Yeah. So he joined the Confederacy, fought. I think it was two, two or three major battles with the Confederacy against the Union. Never, you know, he didn't die, obviously. Um, and then left, went back, and because of everything that was going on with the Civil War, you know, whites against blacks, and because the the West was unsettled, the Native Americans were concerned that when the war was over the i mean either way if the if slavery was to continue or if slavery was abolished, that it didn't matter that they were going to come out west. And enslave the natives. So, because of that, and because George looked like a Native American, he didn't actually go back and live with his dad. He went and lived with the Cherokee. Okay. So, he came from college. I mean, this guy lived one of the most interesting lives I've ever had the pleasure of reading about. And I'm pleased to to share it, for sure. So, he fights with the Confederacy... And he goes to college, fights for the Confederacy. Comes back, lives with the Cheyennes, learns their ways, and I mean, he plays an integral part in all this. Man, he's all of his letters are actually they can be found in a book, and um, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there to, to the book.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited, uh, excited to hear that.
0: So, in getting there, I mean, the the book of all of his letters, I, I should say without the book that contains all of his letters, because he never actually wrote a book. It was it was all of his letters sent to uh, a Mr. Hyde. He was an author. I can't remember his first name. I think it was William, William Hyde. And he sent all of his letters and continued sending letters for years and years and years to this guy. And eventually, in like 1943, the book came out. But without these letters, man, this whole everything about Bence Fort... The Sand Creek Massacre, it could have all been lost
1: to history. So was Mr. Hyde like his pen pal?
0: No, so he went to like um, three different publishers, and he was working with all three at the same time, and Hyde worked for The Frontier, which was a newspaper at the time. Okay. So he was, and then we'll get into this next, next episode. We might get into it a little bit today, I don't know, but I don't, yeah, can't do it can't do it okay so Hyde, Hyde was the publisher for the frontier and we'll, we'll get into that later okay probably next episode
1: can we at least get the title of this book sure but then everyone's gonna go look it up and read the book
0: before I get to tell you all all the cool stuff <laughs> it's literally I mean, self-explanatory, it's called The Life of George Bent, written from his letters. And the guy's name is George E. Hyde, I was wrong, but it is Mr. Hyde. So, don't do it. Don't you do it. Put the library card down. Yeah, put your library card down. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know you've you've got some meat in the middle. I mean...
1: Just some of it. So, I don't go back as far uh, as 1835. But... Where I start picking up is you got all this open territory and then the white man finds gold up, uh, up and up in them hills. Right. So 1858 Pike speaker bust. Bam, bam. And we start seeing just uh, a huge amount of people just start coming across uh, the plains and for their chance at finding, striking it rich. I don't want
0: to interrupt, and I hate saying that, and I hate when I hear myself say that, but, so the 49ers oh, were yeah, the yeah. 1849ers, and they were they were traveling through the plains to get to California, because gold was discovered in California in forty forty eight or whatever. We're not doing California history, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yuck. <laughs> Sorry if you're in California, I really feel bad for you. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't but move that's here. that's kind of when, <laughs> please. Um, that's when uh, the Native Americans started seeing the surge of white people coming through the plains, and they were freaked out, dude. And that's as we know them as the Forty ers and that's when they kind of went on the on the you know defensive or
1: you know per- tr- like okay, we need to keep an eye on these people. Yeah, you know? like who are they? What are they? Why are they? Right? Why are they here? All then, and in fifty eight. Gold's discovered right here. Yeah, where before they were passing through, now they're not leaving. Exactly. Settlements were being built. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of what really starts the the fuse to what's coming uh, ahead here. I mean, 1858, tons of people coming across. And slowly just... Tensions start to rise a bit. You know, you got folks that are uncertain of each other. Yeah, I mean, what do you think's gonna happen? Right. I mean, you know, it's you got a, you got a civil war going on further to the east,
0: which everybody has a, like a militant mind at that point. You know what I mean? Like their their minds were very. We're, we're, we were fighting ourselves. Is, exactly. is kind of what I'm getting at. We were already at war with ourselves, and. People come across and they see the natives who own the land. And with the militant mind, things, I mean, and the the natives, seeing the whites that they didn't know, I mean, they
1: get a militant mind as well.
0: Yep, For sure. Well, and a lot of them, right? Yeah, protective mind, really. They're trying to protect their ways.
1: Yep. So the Treaty of Fort Wise. Yeah. Where we presented a... A treaty where they signed over 53 million acres
0: 53 million acres of their own land but not
1: all of the chiefs were there for that not all of them there were 10 of them right uh six from the cheyenne four from the arapaho yep and
0: but they were more so like the peaceful um chiefs they weren't the not everybody agreed. Is, Not everyone is, agreed. Yeah, what I'm getting at, I guess. There were
1: more chiefs that were should have been there to sign it than than were there. Well right. And each tribe had what are called dog soldiers. Yep. They were the ones that they, they just kinda you know, F the man. They didn't they didn't really abide by it at all. They and continued like, to hunt on the land and Yep. So these chiefs did what? Yeah, they did what? So again, another one of those those deals where it's like, eh, the fuse is, the fuse is burning. hmm And it, it, as long as they continue to hunt there, they just they just it were blatantly ignoring the treaty. Did you want to talk about the chief names? Sure. Okay. So, le- Lean Bear was in there, right? Lean Bear, Tall Bear, Black Kettle, White Antelope, Little Wolf, and Left Hand. Those were the six from the Cheyenne tribe? Yep. And the four Arapaho chiefs, Little Raven, Storm, Shave Head, and Big Mouth. Big Mouth. I can relate to that guy.
0: I think, I think. I mean, little side segue here. I think it was really cool. The, the Native Americans named themselves after a feature or like a skill or something. You know what I mean? So when you hear their name,
1: you know what they're capable of. Know what they're capable of? I mean, I'm sure... I'm not going to pretend to know, but I know that these animals meant yeah a certain thing. Yeah, they were all spiritual. So, like I said, side note. I mean, I, I just find that very intriguing and interesting. You know, I, I do, after all of this, want to dig into yeah. Native American culture. I mean, um, lean bear?
0: Must work out. He must be a skinny guy who can kill a bear with his own two hands. Or a spear. Bow? <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, a bow, but just interesting, man. It is very very interesting. It is, and I'm not going to pretend to know. Like I said, I I really want to know.
0: Like, yeah, if you're uh, of Native American descent, you're listening to this, and you know you have information. Obviously, reach out to us on any of our platforms, please. Definitely, please do.
1: So we get into, we mentioned it a little bit before, but the Civil War finally made it toward the West. Yep. And as far west as New Mexico. So we introduce another player. His name is John Shivington. Lieutenant John Shivington. Yes. At and the time. At the time. Yep. And he gets his claim to fame by winning the Battle at Glorieta Pass where he interrupted and broke the supply chain. For the Confederacy. For the Confederacy. Correct. Yeah. So that's where he gets his... Uh, his notoriety is distinguished for that victory. And then was actually promoted because of that,
0: quote-unquote, victory, which fell into his hands, if I'm not mistaken, right?
1: What I understand, what I've read, is that, yeah, he was off course and then landed where he was, which was kind of like the place to be to interrupt a Confederate supply chain. So, yeah, Glorietta had a pass. That was, uh, yeah, that
0: was his claim to fame, but he actually came this way because he was a minister okay I don't remember what denomination but it's not really super important he was just a minister and was re- well respected for you know
1: his ministry being godly yeah you sure know? which is shocking and more more to come on this gentleman yeah
0: it just gets very uh, very interesting uh, as we go
1: down this here rabbit hole Right. Um, but Gloria to pass. Uh, it was a two day battle just, uh, down there in New Mexico. 1861. Actually, 1862. 1862. It was March 26, and it lasted till. It was a two day battle, March 26 through the 28th, 1862. Okay. But not long after, he wins his battle, gets his sweet promotion. Uh, November 1862. Uh, The First cavalry here in Colorado was formed. And I find it interesting
0: that with all the Civil War stuff happening in the East, and every bit of military... Anybody who's capable of fighting, basically, was already recruited and fighting. And, I mean, basically because he stops a Confederacy... Supply chain in New Mexico they he, send a, the first Colorado cavalry out west it's just i i don't know it's just very that's interesting to me it yeah he he from what I read he made it and and so did Governor Evans at the time made it as though there were it was like an imminent threat. And throughout this entire thing, this entire saga that we're going to go through, they both made it like there was an imminent threat, a Native American threat to the Western civilization.
1: Yeah, it it was formed to protect from Confederates and the Natives. Yeah. Because there was an an imminent threat. Uh, Alleged. Right. I mean, yeah yeah the, the, so this cavalry which is a, another thing that makes you say hmm was comprised of uh, mi- uh pfft, men from the Colorado 1st infantry huh so that's it's kind of a that's a change from your day to day infantrymen to cavalrymen
0: yeah and then uh later on the 3rd cavalry is formed under colonel john shivington again but it's formed because and i guess back to the former what i was saying unless you have more
1: i have information on the 3rd
0: um but they were it was basically just joe schmoes you want a gun you want to fight the natives here's a gun
1: yeah, what was that strange word? Dacers? Dacers, yeah. It was a hundred Dacers. But that third uh, Colorado infantry, they, they had a cool nick. Well, they had an interesting nickname. Yeah,
0: not, not cool, I guess, for Shivington, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> not cool. But you mentioned Governor Evans. Uh, he seemed to really want to... Have peaceful terms with with the natives. Uh, he you know he went out for peace talks. Yeah, I mean
0: it. It appears on paper as though he uh, he meant well, but I mean, really, who knows? He he was charged with building the in, the transcontinental railroad through their territory. So who knows if his peace talks and all that were actually? I mean, there, there there's I I mean we can get into all the different where he basically said, you know, no peace. If you want peace, you show up at this fort, blah, blah, blah. We can go into details if you want.
1: Well, yeah, he set up a peace talk, and basically the dog soldiers that we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. prevented the chiefs from actually going.
0: Held them captive.
1: Yeah, held him, yeah, like you are not going to talk to this man about peace. There will be no peace. And
0: and Evans was pissed.
1: He, yeah, he, he was definitely pissed. And Chief Roman knows he's an Arapaho uh Chief sends word to Governor Evans that uh, the Cheyenne Sioux Kiowa prefer war like prefer war
0: that's all muddled that is that is muddy water there because there was the the Cheyenne and the Arapaho were very peaceful tribes, and I mean they had their dog soldiers obviously you have to when Getting you're crowd when you're riled up. when you're at war with different Native American tribes. You have to have your dog soldiers, cause they were at war with each other too, over land, over. You know. Yeah, they were battling the Utes, the U. I mean, they were all at war: the Sioux's, the Sioux's, the Cheyenne, the Arapahos, the There's like three others, the Utes, um, a couple other more, and they they were all at war with each other, and and eventually they did. Join forces, but not until later, man. And that was the thing is like. They they were under this impression that the the whites were under the the impression that the Native Americans were joining forces like like you just said to all the dog soldiers are joining forces to fight against the Coloradans or whatever and it's that wasn't happening. The Cheyenne and the Arapaho owned the main part of the territory, and they were willing to talk this out their dog soldiers were preventing a lot of it. I mean, wouldn't you? Because it's your land. You've been there. Your, your tribe has been there for... Your way of life is being disrupted. Right. But and like you said... You've been there for... Forever. Hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Who knows? Exactly. And your way of life is being disrupted. Exactly. Yeah. And threatened, you know? Yeah. And they're taking land from you all of a sudden? Like, they just come in and
1: put a stake down and this is my land. No. This is the treaty. This is a treaty where this is more about this is me, not you. Right. <laughs> like I'd be pissed too. Like
0: no, you are yeah. not I don't care who you are. I understand that these are new guys in town. They have guns and they're trying to teach you about farming and weaponry and hunting and all this stuff. Like better ways to reform yourself and and your your tribe. And they were, they were they were helping, but at the same time Was it really, you know, was it meaningful? Was it something that they were doing
1: for another purpose? Assimilate or... Assimilate or die, pretty much. But, yeah, basically things were starting to dissolve. Yes. Big time. Uh, We get to uh, 1863. January, 1863, the Nine Mile Ridge Massacre uh, happened, where... Cheyenne and Arapaho um, natives were kind of heckling, if you will, a uh, a wagon train headed east, full of supplies. non Non-militant, they're just sure they're just headed east with supplies and things. And it was said that the natives were just, hey, we're famished, we're hungry, help us out. Give us some food. Oh, and there probably was a language barrier, and that's just that's just my my adage. Yeah, but the the wagon train leader was like, "No, like, we're not, we're not get out of here. We're not kid. doing this. You know, move on. Yeah, yeah this get out of here, Oliver, Oliver Twist. Move along. Porridge, please. Yeah, no.
0: Yeah, like, so it, c- from both angles, I from both angles. You know what I mean? The whites were new settlers, and they were scared of the Native Americans.
1: The Native Americans were scared of the whites because they were new settlers. So, yeah, and and I agree with that sentiment. I really do. Uh, I mean, tensions have been nothing but building at this point, right? And this 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 train leader was like, "Nah, dude, you're not. I'm not giving you food." And the natives were pretty desperate to the point where they corralled the train, which caused a a wagon to tip. Mm. And with that happening, folks anxious, guy shot one of the natives. And, uh, you know, the natives collected their guy and then they, then they went off. Uh, But there were so many people in the wagon train that were like, so pissed at the wagon train leader that if it weren't for a couple of them, it was said that they would have lynched him that night. Doesn't matter because the wagon train leader would have lynched the
0: natives or no, no, no. vice versa.
1: No no no. So you got this you got this wagon train, right? Yeah. And you got a leader up front. Yeah. People in the back aren't, you know, they're like, alright. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's going on? I got you. Right? So come to fight later, you know, I'm they break camp. Dude, we shot and potentially killed one of these natives. Great. Oh,
0: oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Because, got you. You, so know, gonna... you know,
1: they they corralled the train, mm-hmm. knocked over a wagon, or the, a wagon was knocked over mm-hmm. uh, in that event. Some jumpy people, jumpy person shot one of the natives. They collected their person and left. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you break camp, like, hey, what the hell was that earlier? You, all they were asking for was food, and you said No. Dude, what the hell's wrong with you? Now 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 we have an issue. Now we have a problem. Yep. And they sure as shit did. The natives returned before daybreak and killed them all except one. Oof. It's only because that last guy made it to uh made it to a military installation, told the story, and it sounded like they wanted to do the right thing. They sent out for two uh, messengers to come back. Two natives came back, corroborated the okay. story of the survivor, but the media ended up getting a hold of this. Even then, the media mm. did their hype, and again, not to say any of that was a good was a good story, but it was only the fact that the natives killed all the whites. That's that's all anybody heard. Yeah. Hand over the ears to any of the rest of it. It's like the Hungate
0: family. It was the same uh, same propaganda. I mean,
1: yeah, it was brutal. It Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, I mean, bodies mutilated. Children mutilated. And that, and that strikes deep as a parent, right? Yeah, big time. But the people that discovered it... Decided to bring everything back to town. Yeah, they brought all the bodies back to Denver and threw them in the town
0: square and said, hey, this is what they're doing to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's what they're doing to us. It's like, do you want this to happen to your family? And then, bam, blows up. Right. I mean,
0: what they don't capture is the Hungates were... They were in a bad
1: spot, and... The natives were... They were on a rampage. They were. Denver was, in a sense, under siege. Yeah. Like, all the supplies in were cut off. Mm-hmm. Farms were getting destroyed by locusts because, well, I mean, I, I'm not a farmer, but they were getting destroyed by by locusts. I mean, do you want to talk about how, how bleak it was as far as su- supplies go? the Rocky Mountain News was printed on pink tissue paper. I wonder how they did that. I'm kind of curious, too. I don't necessarily know how newspapers are printed. I mean, I mean I've a, seen it before. Think but. about a printer. Well, back then it was just stamp. stamp, yeah. so Stamp, yeah. stamp, stamp. Okay. Well, the horror, it was all on pink tissue paper. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, like with the tribes moving in, Denver was put under martial law. So Denver's under martial law. Denver's under martial law. Tensions are high. I mean, they threatened martial law during our COVID bout, right? Yeah, they did. And that sent people into shock. So folks folks are on edge at this point. And that is where, you touched on it earlier, but the 3rd Calvary being formed. Okay. It was uh, comprised of 100 volunteers, and it was... uh. Yes, Shivington oversaw most, if not all, military operations. Yep. But a George Shope over the bloodless third. The bloodless third.
0: Imagine during the Civil War, you're a colonel. And somebody calls you, your one of your battalions, the bloodless. You ain't killed anybody yet.
1: You haven't seen shit, right?
0: You've done nothing. Basically, that's what they're saying. You've done nothing.
1: Yeah, no, it was a volunteer regiment, volunteer army.
0: I think I said it earlier. If not, it was just dudes that were dudes that were scared, and they're like, "Yep, let's
1: go." Yeah, no, I. Those those guys aren't going to infringe on my rights.
0: Right, my rights yeah, I mean, back to something I said way, way in the beginning is without uh, George Bent's letters, we this might have been lost to history, I mean, Shivington had his accounts of why and what happened and why it happened and why what happened and who, you know what I mean, like, every which way, that man covered his ass and we can get into the Shivington accounts, but it's long. So is so is George Bent's, but I'm gonna read a little excerpt here from uh, "A Misplaced Massacre" by Ari Kelman. Um, so pre Sand Creek, this is this is Lean Bear. What what happened? Bent recalled those episodes as one in which many of his people had actually demonstrated remarkable forbearance. Bent remembered Colorado troops in May 1864 murdering Chief Lean Bear in cold blood, even though a year earlier the chief had visited Washington as part of a peace delegation and had papers to show that he was friendly. In the event, when Lean Bear was approached, uh, intending to show his papers and shake their hands, their commander op- ordered them to open fire. Then the troops shot Lean Bear to pieces as he lay on his back on the ground. That's in quotations from George Bent. Other similar episodes followed. Bent wrote, suggesting that culminatively, these attacks made the Cheyennes very angry. Belligerent tribal factions eventually began fighting and were soon joined by the Arapahos before too long. The Kiowas and Comanches chipped in. And so nearly all the Indians on the plain were at war. One event, man. I mean, it takes one. And that's where, I mean, after that is when the family were scalped and and murdered these these letters i mean we are running out of time a little bit we have a little bit left but too much to go
1: any further any that, further that, that's appalling yeah
0: i mean the man was flying a united an american flag a united states flag and bringing his peace medallion and his peace papers that he was issued from abraham lincoln himself and they just they just shot him
1: Pretty unfortunate that this is uh,
0: schmoozed over. I can't believe it. I literally, I'm, I'm appalled at, at two things really the acts themselves, the situation itself. And how the fuck has this not been made a movie? Dances with Wolves. That's what I'm saying. How has this not been made a movie where people can see this in live action? Because that's how people get their information these days. Anymore. It's got
1: to be on a screen. It's and not going to be in a book.
0: I mean, maybe it's something where they, they don't have enough actual natives to play the parts because it hurts so much. Because the way this book starts is actually at the the memorial or the christening or whatever you want I don't know exactly what it's called, but the, the opening of the Sand Creek Massacre memorial at the site. Which is in... It's like four miles
1: northeast of La Junta. You know, looking at the maps, I mean, so geographically, folks, we live in what's called Arapahoe County. Yep. And The Arapahos. Right. And then just looking at it, it just makes me feel closer to this event, even more so, like, hey, if it was intentional or not, these breakdowns of the counties and that. I tried to follow geographically the the flow of said Sand Creek mm-hmm. the big sandy. Yeah. Um I mean anymore it's you know, maybe maybe it's global warming and that but uh It's it, gone. It it's gone or you know it's it just acts as a runoff but Right. Um I tried to follow it and and it's hard to place.
0: That's kind of the sad part, is they actually, historians, not, not the Native Americans, because the Native Americans actually go to the site of Sand Creek and, because their bodies were left there. They were, they were mutilated and left there, just to, For the crows. to rot away, yeah. For the crows. So the Natives know exactly where it happened. And George Bent's letters say exactly where it happened. And for a while, historians would not listen to the natives. Like, years and years in the 70s and 80s, 90s, 2000s. Until, I think it was uh, made a national landmark in like 2014 or the, the 2010s. And they would not, the historians would not listen to the natives as to where the location was like no we no no we know more than you you know it's like no you don't you don't know shit right you don't know anything what do you what do you mean you know more than us like this is this is our family this was
1: our yeah burden the, to bear the people that are most connected with the land like the most connected with the land like I, i'm just saying like straight up the folks like lived off it yeah and they know exactly where it happened man
0: yeah so they lost sand creek for about I think I read about fourteen years they couldn't find the exact location of Sand Creek until they finally started listening to the natives. And I hope to see it. I hope so to see it. It's a long ways away. Stand man. there. It's like four and a half hours
1: from where we are. Yeah, uh, I'm still gonna go. No, no, it it deserves the drive. Yeah. After everything that we've read, oh, I'm I'm
0: wholly invested. Next yeah. next episode we're gonna get into. Every detail that I've learned. This one was kind of like a very brief overview,
1: kind of. Kind of what we've researched and all that stuff, but... And this is still skimming. Literally. It's giving you the watered-down skimming. And we all know,
0: obviously, there was a massacre at Sand Creek, so, you know, we know you understand that as listeners, but this this was the leading up, and I really feel like next episode... These words, th- these accounts from Silas Soul and George Bent of the actual events that happened, that transpired by Shivington and his men at Sand Creek, from their with their own two eyes, should open
1: your eyes. You know, guys, it's uh, kind of a disclaimer. We don't really talk about everything that we're going to bring to the table for these episodes. So, when Jeremy goes off he's going to do his research. I'm going to go off and do mine. And to know that there's another key player that I didn't even consider George bent. That's huge to me. And it's going to be integral to, to the next episode. So, and I really,
0: really hope people start like respecting this man. Like I'm, I'm so deep into this. Yeah. That, it almost brings tears to my eyes just thinking about the atrocities that happened to these these poor Native Americans, man. So Yeah. Like we're not gonna get all the way in there on this
1: one. Nope. Nope. So uh, we, we we should probably we should probably pack it up because let me tell you something. <laughs> this here uh horse soldier bourbon is it's not good stuff. It's not <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, it's real good. The bird went away. Well, I still got the one. I still, I still have the burn. <laughs> feel the burn. No, um, it's it's good, and uh, I highly recommend it. it it's going to sit up there. Um, I mean, don't know. We haven't really built a ranking list, have we? Uh, no,
0: but I did put some of the ones because most of them, you know, either you took home or I emptied myself and then threw away. So the ones that we have not emptied are sitting up there and. Uh, I mean, for me, this doesn't take the cake, but it's it's good stuff. So, all all whiskey and bourbon aside, I uh, hope you guys tune in next week for the finale of the Sand Creek Massacre.
1: Hang with us, y'all. It's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Might make you cry. Yeah. No. This has been a journey. And uh, it's a bit of an emotional one. Oh, it's gonna be yeah, crazy next week.
0: I'm, I don't even know if I'm ready <laughs> to be completely. Yeah, no, this. for sure.
1: So we'll uh, uh, we'll even bring details on what we saw at the uh, the exhibit tomorrow. Yep. Excited to see what that uh, what that has to offer. Yeah, we'll come in with a with a fresh, even a even a more fresh perspective. I mean, we were not there. Not not even. You know, <laughs> not and, at all. Love and respect, guys. Love and respect. And uh, again, anyone listening, if we botched anything, call us out. We want to hear it. We're not historians. We're people that are just reading stuff. And we love our history. And we do love our history. And we love sitting down here drinking some scotch or bourbon or whatever and talking about it. Yeah. So we're just trying to put it together, melt it down, and deliver it to you guys. If there's something that we missed, please call us out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, soon to be Twitter.
0: Get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> BCD Cast. And with that, one more clinky, and
1: we call it. We're out.